We start today's show with a conversation with Saladin Ahmed, this year's guest of the University of Arkansas Scholars at Risk Committee. Ahmed is a visiting professor of political science at Union College in Schenectady, New York, and the author of several books, including his latest, Revolutionary Hope After Neuralism, Marginalized Voices and Dissent. His talk on campus last week continues an annual part of the university's observation of International Education Week. The Scholars at Risk Committee raises awareness of the threats to intellectual freedom that exist around the world and the very real threats of safety to many people who speak out. When Saladin Ahmed came to the Carver Center for Public Radio last week, I asked him about one of the words in his latest book title, Hope. For a good part of the book, I actually argue against false hope. So I'm not a big fan of uh, advocating false or fake hope just to to make ourselves feel better about the world the world is definitely not in a in a good state as we speak Um, and for many reasons but uh, those reasons i i try to summarize them in the book so the first part of the book uh, basically the crises we live in mainly globally and those crises, I give just two examples. For uh, One would be the rise of extremism, uh, exclusionary movements, again, globally, but also with specific examples in the East and, and the West. Um, and then uh, the ecological crisis, of course, and its implications uh, for all of us. So... Uh, and I do think that the, the approach that uh, takes, uh, let's say, hope on, in the, uh, let's say, psychological level or on the sp- even spiritual level, I dare to say, uh, are problematic on many levels. And they even contribute, I argue, to the problems, to the crises. So uh, to summarize, I argue basically that hope uh, in the most uh, concrete political sense, exists precisely in the margins and under circumstances where a lot of hopeless people or a lot of people live under hopeless uh, uh, social, economical, and uh, political uh, circumstances. They invent hope. The problem is that because they are marginalized, we uh, tend to ignore them. We or simply don't know about those social movements. Uh, and again, the conclusion is that if we have any hope, really, to get out of all these crises, uh, is to learn from those movements uh, that continually, even historically, they have been uh, the pioneers of inventing new uh, horizons of possibility, if you will. To, to learn from the margins means to ask and to listen. I mean, that's got to take place. Uh, precisely. To ask and to listen, but also, most importantly, to unlearn. Uh, to unlearn our, uh, our uh, false knowledge or false realism about the world, uh, whether locally or, or beyond. Uh, to unlearn prejudices, to uh, unlearn uh, facts that might be, well, they are facts, they're true, but not 
necessarily truth, so they don't necessarily represent what should be. Uh, they only represent what is out there. And uh, the, philosophically speaking, because my background is philosophy, so as a philosopher, I think uh, something could be true as a fact, uh, but not uh, philosophical truth, if you will. So then if there is any, uh, any uh, essential uh, pedagogical task, then for me as an educator in this case would be uh, how to uh, unlearn those, those uh, facts that are there but shouldn't be. And, and examples like that, of course, I, uh, I can refer to uh, Herbert Marcuse, one of the members of the Frankfurt School, um, uh, Jewish intellectual, uh, German Jewish intellectuals who, who left Germany. A lot of them came to the United States. One of them is Herbert Marcuse. Uh, Herbert Marcuse, for example, says uh, or makes the case that when we say we as humans are free, what we mean is that we should be free. We are inherently free, but it doesn't necessarily mean, we all know that, we, it doesn't necessarily mean that we are free in the, in the current situation. Uh, so that distinction is important, and it is important to also realize that for, for people uh, who are marginalized uh, in, in more than one sense, sometimes simply the, the question of survival uh, becomes a, a question of create, literally creating hope. And politically, I think that is, that's extremely important. Yeah. It sounds like a, a basic step for the individual is to know yourself and, and, and try to figure out what you do need to unlearn or what may be false. Uh, Yes and no. Like, okay. of course, the the process uh, ultimately is an individual uh, individual task. But but it is also uh, it's something beyond those uh, self help approach. So it is it, the crisis. The crisis is social, and whenever we we have. Uh, 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 we end up with a, a social world where, uh, let's say, alienation, all kinds of uh, isolation become the norm, then there's no way out mm -hmm. except uh, rebuilding or building a healthy social environment where uh, every human is respected, every human uh, dignity is respected regardless of backgrounds and elitist theories and, and narratives and so on and so forth. And we have a lot of obstacles there to deal with, you know, how, how we have othered each other continually, historically, in the name of religion, in the name of ethnicity, nationality, and today, unfortunately, also in the name of culture. Uh, so culture is one of the targets I try to uh, to undo, basically, because it, it seems to be um, today's, uh, you know, more acceptable uh, term for race. Uh, so, it's, and, and again, I, 
uh, it is also very important to remember that racism, whether in its old forms or in its newer forms like cultural racism, uh, doesn't have to happen uh, in terms of bad intentions. So mm -hmm. sometimes, yeah, people who are involved or people who commit racism have good intentions. So that's not the question. That would be the easy approach. Uh, the problem is that most of the times uh, people commit racism, discrimination, and so on uh, with good intentions. So, and that is also to suggest that the, a lot of these problems are really not moral problems per se. Of course, they are moral problems. I'm, I'm not suggesting that, you know, immorality and morality are the same, but but the, the, the root causes are not there. So th th that would be just misleading to, uh, uh, to, to lecture people about good and bad and so on. And in general, uh, I think uh, human beings have a good sense of uh, what is good. And in general, we tend uh, to be peaceful, right? Except then we have these value systems and systems of myths and, and uh, weird ideologies that are normalized and internalized. And then uh, we will have, in those cases, normal human beings who would commit abnormal things, uh, acts of discrimination or even acts of physical violence, whether, in, uh, whether that happens in the name of patriotism or nationalism or uh, faith, whatever it is. But I mean, my point is that uh, uh, normally, um, uh, if we have an ideal case, which is really even in terms of imagination, it's impossible to assume. But if there were such a thing for a moment, if we could imagine w what that would entail, you know, a, a human society without all that, uh, historical background and, and, and relations of domination. In general, that would, I think, uh, we tend to be more peaceful rather than violent. So I guess what I'm suggesting is that when we witness cases of violence, uh, there must be, we should be looking for uh, th those attempts that uh, th that created uh, discrimination, to created othering, created a hierarchy, and definitely created uh, domination, relations of domination. Uh, because if I belong to the privileged, a privileged group, and these are all social conditions, mm -hmm. obviously, so it's not that you don't have one human being just by nature always, right, dominant or dominated, but uh, when I belong to a social, uh, uh, in general, a, a privileged social group, then my politics, my view of the world, or my perception of things tends to be tilted, so to speak, towards my own and my group's interests. Can we? Uh, realistically? If, if historically we have been marginalizing and practicing racism and totalitarianism and fascism for millennia. Can we realistically get past that? Absolutely, yeah. And 
I say that not at all as uh, w- w- with uh, uh, idealist uh, mm. intention, not at all. Uh, but realistically, yes, because that that reality itself, even the so-called uh, human nature, uh, which is another myth in my view. I, d- I don't believe there's such a thing as human nature. But even what we perceive as human nature is a product of history, of that history, right? And if that is the case, then we could also undo it through uh, what we think, what we uh, unlearn, what we learn, what we say, and what we do, and definitely what we don't do. So it could go either way. Uh, but but this is obviously a, a social uh, struggle, a, a large uh, social struggle that uh, necessitates uh, solidarity uh, on all levels. Uh, am I talking about like a possible paradise on earth? Not at all, but uh, we are we are living anyway. We are engaged in politics anyway, even when we think we are not. Even those of us who, who claim uh, every day that we don't like politics, we are still involved in politics. So I think, yes, if we tend to uh, quit some of those habits, for example, I suggest a very important uh, uh, question or or principle in this case would be um, how to defend the rights of people who are different from me, not just my group, because there's that is there is no there is nothing genius or noble about defending my group. So what? Right. But the moment we have a world, if we if more of us work towards a world in which uh, the marginalized the the, the marginalization itself uh, it doesn't exist. In other words, when uh, we defend the rights of those who are different in whatever sense, geographically, or, or there's a distance between us. When uh, anti-Semitism, for example, doesn't bother only perceived Jews, when uh, sexism doesn't bother only women, when uh, I don't know, when anti-black racism doesn't is not just a question for uh, African Americans, for example. Then th- th- there is there is immediate hope, I think, and there are people who can be inspiring for all of us in that very sense in today's world. Saladin Ahmed is a visiting professor of political science at Union College in Schenectady, New York, and he's the author of several books, including his latest, Revolutionary Hope After Nihilism. Marginalized Voices and Dissent. He was on the University of Arkansas campus last week as a guest of the University of Arkansas Scholars at Risk Committee. That was part of the campus observation of International Education Week.